Hello and welcome back to the While We're Waiting Hope After Child Loss podcast. I'm Jill Sullivan, your host and one of the co-founders of the While We're Waiting ministry. Thank you so much for coming back and joining us again today. I'm so pleased today to bring you the second half of my conversation with Lauren's mom, Lisa Crook. If you didn't get to hear last week's episode, I hope you'll go back and listen to hear how Lauren prayed that God would give her a testimony and how she lived out that testimony as she battled cancer. In today's episode, we discuss a wide range of topics related to grief, which includes so much practical advice to encourage you in the wait. We will pick up today's conversation right where we left off last week. So the loss of a child changes a parent profoundly. Uh, at a very deep level. How do you feel like Lauren's home going has changed you? Life is precious. Yes. Life is short. There's no guarantees. We shouldn't take anything for granted. Enjoy each moment that you have with your child. It it, it changes you. I'm, I'm not the person I was. I don't have the same temperament. I don't have the same nerves <laughs> that I had. I don't have the same memory. I mean, it changes you, and it changes both of you, you and your spouse. And um, that's a big change on your marriage. And it changes your parenting skills for your other children. So, um, no, I'm not the same person. I work to be a better person, but I'm not the same person. I don't want to be a better person. Yeah. And so um, I know that Lauren wouldn't want us to be different. She wouldn't want us to be at odds with one another or living in, Lauren was a happy person. She was just always happy and joyful. So she wouldn't want us living in, um, cause I thought, well, how would I feel if it was me and I'd gone to heaven? Mm-hmm. Would I want my family mourning and just falling apart the whole family? Right. And I wouldn't want that. And I know Lauren right. wouldn't want that. Oh, sure. So I've had to work to change, to be a better person, to be a different person. But I'm not the person, as my husband says, cancer changed us all. Yes. It didn't just change Lauren. It changed all of us. Yes. And you know that as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're all affected by it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't even hardly go to the doctor now. If I go to the doctor, I'm just on pins and needles thinking the worst. I don't even want to take my dogs to the vet. Right. Because I might hear the worst. Yeah. And um, I, that sounds crazy. I mean, to drive by a hospital almost makes me lose it. Mm-hmm. And so, or, or that smell. If yes. I walk into a hospital, I've had to go with my mother, and that, that smell, mm-hmm. I just have to take deep breaths because I can, I'm almost pass out. It, that that it, it just brings so many triggers back. Yes. That hospital smell and then the smell of the soap. In the bathrooms of a hospital. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it had been years yes. since Hannah had gone to heaven. And I went to the hospital to visit my dad who had had surgery and went in the bathroom and washed my hands. And it was like I was back right where I had been at Children's Hospital for that all those months. And it was a very strange experience. Yes. Yes, I'm with you. The smell of it, the look. For me, when I was working at the Department of Education, my desk faced, my window faced Children's Hospital. Yes. Children's Hospital. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I I, I kept my blinds shut. Mm -hmm. I didn't care how sunny it was. I kept my blinds shut because I couldn't look out that window and face that. Sure. And and I avoid 
because then we were transferred and sent to um, UMS, University of Arkansas Medical School there. And um, the same doctors go back and forth yeah. between those hospitals. And um, I didn't even want to drive by it. And I've mm-hmm. had to go there. I've had to go see some people. And it took several years for me to go back there. Yes. But I like you. That smell of it's the bathroom. It's mm-hmm. the bathroom that just really that smell the, the what they clean with the soap. Yes. It just it makes me go to a place that like you. I don't want to go, and I just that's when I have to start praying. God, please give me the strength yes. to do what I need to do here. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, it really does change us, doesn't it? On so many levels that you wouldn't even imagine uh, if you hadn't been there. <laughs> You really, I mean, it it is hard to describe that the person you've changed from, I mean, it changes you in a way that you never realized. I mean, things that you once loved are gone. Yes. We spoke about Lauren and and Hannah attending Washita Baptist, which is in Arkadelphia. It's probably 45 minutes from my home. And if I want to go to Texas for anything, I have to go through Arkadelphia. And I would shut my eyes and cry. Mm when we passed Arkadelphia. Yes. And it's just recently that I've gotten to where I can drive. I've not been back to the school. And when Leah started college, Lauren was, uh, it was Leah's freshman year, the end of the freshman year when Lauren went to heaven. And I really wanted Lauren, Leah to go to Washita. She was not going. Right. And she was very adamant. I don't want to go there. That was yes. Lauren's school. It's not my school. Yes. Praise God she didn't go there. Yes. Because oh, I could yes. have never gone there for anything. Yeah. And so God knew best, yeah. but he knew best. But I, it does change you into things that I, I wanted. I didn't like our home. We remodeled it. My husband didn't want to leave our home. We're still in it. Mm-hmm. But at the time, I wanted to move. I wanted to move out of Arkansas. I wanted to quit my job. Anything I could have done. My husband calls me. I'm a runner. <laughs> yes. And he's probably right. Uh-huh. I'd rather run from it than I don't want to deal. You know, yeah. I just don't want to deal with this. I wanted to change churches, you name it. I wanted to do it. And then I finally realized, okay, I'm not going to do anything for a year. One year, I'm not going to make any changes. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad that I waited that year. Yeah. But I'm still not the same person. Right. I will never be that person. Right. Right. But I I can work to be a better person. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So it's been a little over 10 years now since Lauren went to heaven. But think back, if you can, to those early days of your grief. We've kind of been talking kind of all around that. What advice might you give to somebody who's just beginning this journey? I would say be patient with yourself, be kind to yourself, and try not to compare yourself to others. Mm. Um, my grief is different from your grief, and that's okay. And, and I, was, I was really critical of my husband. Because Lauren is buried just almost, I could almost throw a softball from the interstate to where the cemetery is at. And we have to drive by there every day on the way to work. Yes. And early on, he, he, I would call him and I'm like, where are you at? And he would be, oh, I'm just now leaving work or, um, because he's out by the airport. And of course, he's got to fight traffic. I'll be there in a little bit. I mean, then he would say something about going by the cemetery. And finally, I was like. We just kept on. I was like, why are you going to the cemetery every day? That's just weird to me. And he was like, why are you not going to the cemetery? Then I realized uh, he's right. 
that's his grief and this is my grief. He yes. put lights by Lauren's grave and he went there. I don't care if it was nine o'clock at night. He went by there. He stopped by there and that's what helped him. And he probably did that probably the first five, seven years or probably went a day by that he didn't go by there. Yeah. And it took me three years to go there. Right. But I learned that that's okay. He's okay in what he does. And as long as you're not hurting yourself, yeah. you're okay. Um, be kind. And, and the best thing I can say is turn to God. Turn to God. Even when you don't even know what to pray for. Just, God, I, I'm empty. I don't even know what to say. Here I am, Lord. Here I am. I need you. And just keep saying that over and over. Because the devil wants to rob you of your joy. He wants to take the joy of your salvation away from you. And he will keep working to make it so difficult on you, your, your family, your work, your church life. Churches, and I learned this, I think going to the first mom's retreat that I went to. Yeah. I was the first one to go. Lance went to the dad's and then we went as a couple. And I thought, on the way there, I thought, I'm going to throw up. I do not want to go. Why did I sign up for this? I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm going to, I just can't do this. No one's hurting like I am. I'm crazy. I, you know, they're not. <laughs> and I got there, and I learned, you know what? They feel just like I do. Yes. They're having, many of them are having the same problems I, I have. They're, I think I'm crazy. And they think they're crazy, too. That, hey, that's part of grief. Yes. And I was so harsh on myself. But I learned, because you don't have a lot of people to talk to. It, it, at our age, a young age at the time, there's not a lot of people our age that have lost children right. that I could really talk to, or even though that I thought. And so when I came to that, I, I encourage parents to go all the time. And, and they tell me the same thing. I don't want to go. I don't want to. I'll cry. I'm, we're all going to cry. Uh-huh. And they're happy tears. And yes. it's good to get it out. It, you, will, you will not regret this. Mm-hmm. And you're going to learn more about yourself and learn that what you're going through is normal. Yes. And ways that people have overcome things that I hadn't thought about. Or you may sound something that someone else hasn't thought about. So together, God's put you together for a reason to share. And it's, it's I just can't say it enough. Go to one of the retreats. Go to, and then Lance went to the parent, and Lance is a quiet, introvert person, <laughs> and he loved it. He was just, he was like, we're going to the couple's retreat, you know, and <laughs> and so um, we went to that, and I just learned so much about my grief is normal. Yes. When the devil wanted me to think I was abnormal, and I was mm-hmm. crazy, and mm-hmm. I just needed to give up on everything, and so um, I can't say that enough for a parent. You've got to, and we also sought Christian counseling. Yes, that's good. It wasn't cheap because your insurance does not want to pay for it. Some churches will do it as part of their ministry. You might find someone in your area that a church is willing to provide counseling as part of their ministry, and I suggest that. But all of that together, it, and I say all that, God orchestrated all that and, and got me to a point where I could start healing. Yes. I'm not over it by any means. Never will I forget Lauren. Right. She's always in my heart. But I can process it. And so that's one of the best things that I can I can say. It's seek guidance, seek counseling, seek the Lord. 
And um, like I said, I for me, I got to where, because I was so active in church, I didn't want to sing anymore. Any, the joy of my singing had left. I didn't want to yes. sing because mm-hmm. Lauren and I used to sing together. Um, she did sign language. Sometimes she would sign and I would sing or we just did different things. I didn't want to teach in Bible school. I didn't want to teach. I didn't want to do anything. We had a Awanas. I didn't want to work in that. I didn't want to do anything except sit in a pew. And I was just so numb. And um, I wish I'd done more to get myself out of that point. You know, because I was so numb, I was just there going through the motions. And I can't say and stress enough, pray and ask God for guidance and wisdom. It may not, you may not get your answer in a a year or two, I can't say, but don't give up. Just don't right. give up. Because it's really taken me almost nine years for the joy of my salvation to be returned. Mm-hmm. I'm singing in church. I'm singing in the choir. Mm-hmm. I sang my first solo a few months ago. And um, I've taught in this past Bible school. I mean, I- I'm so thankful for what God's done for me. That He didn't give up on me. Yes. When I was just going through the motions and I was just numb. And so um, I can't, I just can't stress that enough, but I think people will find, I just think they will find so much comfort in coming to a retreat, whether it's a mom, a father's or a couple, but you will learn more about yourself and you'll learn that you're not crazy that, yes. that people have very similar grief as you do. Yes, that's one of the most common things we hear at a retreat, especially when we're doing the topic time or whatever, is you too. <laughs> I thought I was the only one who felt that way. I thought I was going crazy. Uh, we hear that all the time. And I remember at my at the the time I was there at the Browns' home, yes, with the ladies, and we all said that. And uh, I, I remember it was you who said that. We have an official I'm crazy card (laughs) (laughs) to carry around. Yes, yes. We always say uh, we're going to actually get some of those printed up, uh, that we could just whip that out (laughs) and say, you know, I have a license to be crazy because I have lost my child. Something we could carry around with us to try to explain ourselves to people. Exactly. Yeah. That's funny, but yeah. and we but we need laugh. God made laughter and tears for a reason. Absolutely, absolutely. So, but I do encourage parents. Yes, yes. Well, and kind of along this same topic, you know, a common experience that we have as bereaved parents is grief brain. Um, you know that foggy feeling, becoming forgetful, losing things. Did you experience that? Oh wow! Did I ever? And I uh, still, you know, have my moments. Yes. I guess what's kind of helped me understand it quicker quicker for me is I told you my husband had a, a rough upbringing. And when we married and we would start talking about things of our childhood, he couldn't remember anything. And I was like, you don't remember doing this? You don't remember this holiday? You don't remember things at school? Because we both attended Pulaski County School District. We weren't in the same school, but... The same district. So we did a lot of the same things. Sure. No, don't remember, don't remember. When the girls came along, as I got older, I would say, oh, do you remember when Lauren did this or Leah did that? No, I don't remember that. I'm like, Lance, you have learned to block out all the bad that you block out the good. Mm. And I really, for years, I used to stay on him. You've got to learn to remember the good. You you just learn the defense in you has been to block out bad. Mm -hmm. 
Well, when we went through this, I understood what he was going through because I've done the same thing. Yeah. And there's things today that I can't remember. And I'm like, that happened? And, I'm, and I almost argue with you. That did not happen. This did, you know, and then I'll see it and I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah, I guess that did happen. But I've learned, because I've learned to block out all the bad, I've learned to block out the good as well. Yeah. And that's something I, I wish that I could change. Yeah. I'm probably better with it, but yeah. So it does. It makes you forgetful. It just makes you, you feel like you're in a fog because you want to block yourself and protect yourself from pain. So you block out the good and the bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of those side effects of grief that um, that is unexpected that you would never know. And I wonder, you know, with both of us going through a journey where we saw all our children suffer, and go through so much pain and, and, um, you know, if, if that kind of contributes to that, our, our blocking out of some of those things. Cause I know there's a lot of things about the year that Hannah had cancer that I've blocked out. I, I think that it is. I mean, like I said, I, I always, I saw him, what he went through, that that's his protection mechanism. Sure. To, to, you know, I don't want to get hurt. I don't remember that. And then you you don't remember the good either because right. you've just learned to that's your defense mechanism. And I feel like I've done the same thing. And there's there is good things that have occurred since Lauren has gone to heaven. And my nephew and nieces have been born, and even my grandkids. There's things yeah. I can't remember just because I still have that that block there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So for me, that's what I equate it to. It may be something different, but that's how I see myself. Uh, it just leaves me sometimes in a fog of what I'm thinking. And I think a lot of it is the nerves and the stress early on. Mm. I'm trying to be a wife. I'm trying to be a mother. I have a job. I'm taking care of my mother. You know, I have a church. I have family. And it was just so many things going on. I just couldn't process it all. It was, right. just, it was hard to process. Yeah. But I am better to some degree. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So holidays, you know, we're, we're kind of in the middle of the holiday season right now. They're always tough for bereaved parents. And I know that Christmas was one of Lauren's favorite times of the year. What ways has your family found to deal with the Christmas holidays, the Christmas season since Lauren went to heaven? Well, it, you know, Lauren was the one that started listening to Christmas music in July. <laughs> she probably listened to it year round and she used to drive her and uh, Leah to school and Leah did not want to listen to Christmas music or opera or classical <laughs> music. Right. So, uh, y- yeah, sometimes it can be a little much, but, uh, so a lot of my Christmas decorations, I'm sure you have the same thing are in twos. Yeah. Uh, there's yeah. two of this, two of that. And, right. Two girls. Uh, and so that first, you, you do, you, you bought them in two and, I collected ornaments for them. I have my family tree and then my pretty tree, as I call it, more decorative. Yeah. So um, that first year, I was like, I am not getting these things down. And you and I had talked and you said, well, do something different. You know, maybe what if you had a fake tree, get a real tree and buy some new ornaments. And so and I, and I probably wouldn't have done anything, honestly, that first year. But because of Leah, right. I knew we had to we had to, you know, keep living and keep moving forward. And so I told her, I said, well, I think this year, let's go as a family and cut a tree down. No, I want our tree. 
And so I said, well, let's get new ornaments, just some. No, I want our ornaments. And she just got so mad and upset. She said, I was trying to forget Lauren. And I said, no, I'm not trying to forget Lauren. I just want to forget the pain. Yes. And and help myself. I, I said, are you willing to go up in that attic and start pulling that stuff out? Because I have a ton, way more than my husband wants me to have, of Christmas stuff, of 36 years of marriage collection. Sure. And, um, and I said, are you willing to do that? And she sat there and she was like, no. And then she was like, well, yes. And so... We kind of compromised. Uh, we used our tree. Uh-huh. Her and Lance went up in the attic and got it all. And she went through and got what she wanted. And I bought some new stuff. And we just kind of did it a very, it was a more of a simple one. Mm-hmm. wasn't as uh, extravagant as, because my house just looks like a Hallmark movie at Christmas time. Because right. I just pull out everything. Yeah. And so um, it was hard that first year. In the next two years, as I told you, my husband is a uh, manager at UPS, and I say this all kind of funnily, but um, I told Lance that the next Christmas rolled around, I said, Lance, I can't sit here in this house. All these Christmas movies on, because Lauren and I will watch all the movies Mm -hmm. and things together and go to, you know, we might go see the Nutcracker and just different things going on in the community and lights, and I, I just can't sit here. And so I said, what would you think if I got a second job? I said, just for the holidays. Uh-huh. He said, well, if you feel like that's what you need to do, you do it. I'll support you in whatever you want to do. Well, I would go to work at, I'd get there at 630 and then get off at 330. So um, I said, you know what? I started hearing them advertise. UPS needed some assistance <laughs> delivering packages. Right. And so he said, I said, what would you think? I I thought he would say no. He said, I don't have a problem if you want to be a uh, an assistant. So I applied, and they hired me. And so um, the first night, I met the guy that I was going to meet up with. I got my little brown uniform, and I'd go to work, and I would eat my lunch on the way, and I'd stop in a gas station and change into my browns, and wow. I'd go meet the, the driver. And so the first week, they were like um, – the, the first guy, his name was uh, Jerry. He didn't really want to talk too much to me. Uh-huh. And he, he kind of knew who I was. So finally he was like, I just got to know, why are you even doing this? I know you don't need money to do this. Why are you wanting to do right. this? So I said, well, here's why. And so I poured my heart out to him, yeah. cried and everything yeah. else. Oh, wow. <laughs> and he was like, I understand. I understand. I'm, some nights I work till 10 o'clock at night. Go home, get dressed, and uh, go to bed and take a shower, and you know, go to bed and get up and be at work at 6.30 in Little Rock. Uh, it was wow. not, but I just felt like for me, that's what I needed to do to stay busy. And so it was funny because they're like, man, you're the best helper. You're better than some of these 20-year-old kids that we get off the street. And he said, no, I'm not going to go back and brag on you because I don't want to lose you. <laughs> so... um it, 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 to this day, Lance says they still come to him like, does your wife want to work this year? Because <laughs> I did it for two years. Yeah. And um, I did. Because Lance was like, well, if you're going to work there, you better not uh, uh, disappoint me or make me yeah. embarrassed. And, yeah. And, of course, I've always been a hard worker, but uh, it just it ran me ragged. It ran me until I was so tired that I just had to, to you know, just drop almost. Right. And so... Two years went by, I did that, and the, third, the next year, which would have been our fourth Christmas, I was like, I'm, I think I can I can do this. Mm-hmm. And so, but to this day, they, those guys always ask Lance, hey, does your wife want to work? 
<laughs> like, no, I'm good. But that's what worked for me. Yeah. And is that for everybody? And I, when I talk to people that I've met a lot of families, I've gone to, to their homes and talked to them who've lost children. Yeah. And um, I'm like, you know, you do what's best for you. If it's mm-hmm. not harming you or anyone else, you do what's best for you. Exactly. This is what worked for me. It did not work for Lance, but it worked for me. Mm-hmm. So um, that's what I encourage. Yeah. But that's kind of how we did it. And I have a large, I have a large family, and having them all there has helped me. And I've told, I've told them year after year. I said, you don't know how much it means to me to have y'all all here with me. So when COVID hit and we didn't get together last year, that was really hard on me. Sure. Because I felt like I needed my family. I wasn't sure how I was going to be able to handle it, yeah. not having them. But I made it. I was stronger than I thought. And um, But my fa- for me, I have a large family, and that's what has been supportive. They've been there beside me. Yeah. I know some people don't have that. but Yeah, and my heart goes out to these families who have lost children during this pandemic period where they have not been able to have the support of their families or, you know, maybe couldn't see their child in the hospital like we were so able to do, or, you know, they're at my, my heart just goes out to them. I know that must be so, so difficult, that isolation. I've thought about that. Mm-hmm. I've thought about that as well. I was thinking, man, wonder if Lauren had been going through this and we were going through COVID. And I somewhat understand because my mother who's lived with me, I've had her put her, she broke her arm and I've had to put her in rehab. Now she's in the nursing home and um, we were not able to get in there. That was in March. And it, it took a while to finally get the doors open that we could start visiting. And it's still restricted to some degree, but it is, I can't imagine, yeah, having to go through all that and being sent to do a surgery and you're sitting out in the parking lot. Yeah. I couldn't imagine that 26-hour no. surgery that Lauren had if I'd had to sit out in the parking lot mm. while she was in there. Right. Yes, my heart does go out to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one more question for you. What have you learned about God through your experience with Lauren? How wonderful and awesome he is. Mm. He's a sovereign God. He's patient. He's long-suffering. Because when I feel like I've turned my back on him, he never turned it on me. Yeah. He could have said, Lisa, I'm done with you. If this is how you're going to treat me, I'm done. Not that I, I never was mad at God. I was mad at the situation. Yes. I never was mad at God. And that is two different things. I, I knew that he, she was his child before she was mine, and she was just on loan to me. Mm-hmm. She never was fully mine. Right. And so he could take her at any point. So I was mad at the situation, and I just mad at the, you know, like I said, that I just allowed myself to, to be so numb, mm. to be so numb that hymnals, contemporary Christian music, just, oh, it just, it hurt me so dear. You know, I just, I just couldn't stand to listen to it. Yeah. And um, that he was so patient. And finally, he it was like, he lovingly said, Lisa, it, it's time to come back. Yeah. It's, it's time. I need you back. I've let you grieve long enough. When he could have said, I'm tired of it. I'm mm-hmm. done with you. Mm-hmm. But he didn't. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm so thankful for that, that he was, he's there. You might not think he's there. You might not feel him. But he is there and he's waiting. He's not going to push himself on you. Yeah. 
He wants that relationship. He wants that communication. He wants you, and even when you don't know what to pray, just tell him, I don't know what to say, God. I don't even know what to do. Give me discernment. Give me peace. Give me strength. Give me comfort. Yeah. And he's there. And he wants you to trust him. And I'm one of these people, I trust one moment when it's easy. And then when it's bad, I'm like, oh, I'm taking it back, God. Right. Not so sure of a trust like I thought I did. And I'm just think, don't you get so tired of me, God? <laughs> Jesus is like, here's Lisa Crook again. <laughs> same old problem, same old story. Yeah. She still hasn't learned. <laughs> yeah. But he's loving. Absolutely. And now I'm grateful and thankful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know that his, I trust his promises, and I know that where Lauren's at, I know where I'm going, and I know where my eternity lies, and that I'm thankful and grateful for. Amen. Amen. And that gives me comfort. Mm-hmm. Is it an easy road? No. Uh, and I've, I've ran into so many people that, you know, it's kind of funny. I'm sure many of you feel the same way. You could be at the grocery store and just start talking to someone and find out that they've lost a child. And it's like, oh, I have two. Yeah. It's like we've known each other forever now. We just have this instant <laughs> bond. Exactly. And um, it, it's just it is so crazy how God orchestrates that well we had a new family in our church new couple and um it was back in october when i actually i no, i guess it was the second time i sang i sang a song and i just kind of uh, talked about what my journey had been through and this song and how it touched my heart and everything and and um said a little bit about lauren and i knew there was two women there who had lost children that were older women that had lost children. And so we got a bond and I kind of knew that, but after it was over with this woman that was new came up to me and I had no idea that she had just lost her granddaughter Mm. in a car accident. And the granddaughter sounded so much like Lauren. She was sharing her and how much that meant to her, what I said and my song. And now every time she sees me, she makes a beeline to come talk to me. Yeah. You know, it's just like we have this instant connection, and I'm sure. thankful for that. Mm-hmm. And I probably would have never even known that because she's kind of a quiet person, but I would never have known that had I not said what I did. Yes. And sometimes I'm kind of hesitant because I'm not trying to make people cry. I'm not trying to get your sympathy. But um, I kind of like to put things out there of who I am and what God's done for me. I want to always share that. But when I meet people, sometimes I'm very upfront. Uh, I've got two daughters, one's in heaven, one's here, because I don't want to get into that. It doesn't bother me like it did, but I just don't want to get into that where it makes them feel awkward. Oh, well, where where do your daughters live? Yeah. Well, one is in heaven. Then if I tell, you know, so I just started off with, I have two daughters, one's in heaven. And yeah. One lives in Pocahontas. And, yeah. And that just, and I don't mind talking. I want to talk about Lauren. I want to share about her. I learned early on. My dad's only sister was left. She was like 99, when 97, 98, when Lauren passed away. She called to check on me one day, and she said uh, she was telling me about what my grandfather went through when he lost his oldest son, who was killed by a horse accident. Mm -hmm. And I was telling her about my dad and, and everything, you know, 
how much dif- how difficult it should have been on my grandfather and having my dad as a young child. And she said, honey, your dad wasn't born. I said, yes, he was. I said, because my dad talked about him all the time. She said, no, your dad only heard stories. And I argued with her that it, my dad was had been born. No, Lisa, he had not been born. He was born like three years later. Wow. And then it hit me. If I want Lauren's memory to be remembered, then I have to talk about her and share it. That's right. So I have three new grand. I had three new nephew and nieces that came. My niece Heather, who is like a sister to Lauren, and then Leah's three. And I talk about Lauren all the time, and they love to hear my Lauren and Leah stories sure. because Lauren was so different, and there was always something going on. And they 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 tell me, tell me a Lauren and Leah story, and. Emerson's three and Presley's one and Emerson looks at those pictures and she says there's my Aunt Lauren and she'll tell Presley try to tell her something about Aunt Lauren you know and sharing and I'm like all this I've been doing sharing at this early age and she I mean it's like she knows who Lauren is I love that and so I have to keep sharing that Mm -hmm. and um so that's what I if I don't share it and I tear up and cry and don't want to talk about it, then people are not going to know who Lauren is and what she stood for. So I'm going to make sure that I share Lauren and her story, and I'm going to share with my family and these wonderful nephew, nieces, and grandkids. Yeah. And their lives will be richer because of it. Absolutely. Yes, I agree with that. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's funny because sometimes Emerson's like, is that my mommy or is that my Aunt Lauren? Yeah, they did look a lot alike. <laughs> so I love it. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah, one of these days I'll have grandkids and I'll tell them about Hannah. <laughs> We're not quite there yet, but yes, you will. I look forward to that one day. One day. Yes. One day you will be. Mm-hmm. And uh and I would start off a little alarm and I remember Leah said, Mom, they're not they don't know that. I said and I would tell Leah. Because she'd think they were so young. I mean, she right. might have been three months old, and I'm walking her around showing her pictures. Here's your Aunt Lauren. Yeah. Here's your mommy. And um, I just kept doing it and doing it. And here we are today. They know exactly who she is. Yeah. And we talk about it. And so I'm, I'm going to do like my dad did. Yeah. My dad would told stories about his brother that he never had met. And you won't know it. And I know who that brother is, and I never met him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the one thing I love about what you're saying here, too, is these are you're building happy memories in in these kids. You know, I I know that you're not when you're talking about Lauren, you're not sad. You're telling them funny stories and, um, you know, just neat things that, that they can know about their mom and their aunt. And so they'll always have good, positive, happy memories of Lauren. And I love that. Yes. And that's what I want them to remember, all the funny things that happened, because Lauren and Leah had numerous ones, I'm sure, as Hannah did, and and Bethany, they're just funny stories, and you just, you can't help but tell them, and I just love it that the kids will come ask me, tell me a Lauren and Leah story, that's what they call it, (laughs) tell me a Lauren and Leah story. Yes. Yeah. I have to think. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I've told the same ones over and over. Right. But you know, little kids love that. They don't mind hearing the same story over and over. They do. Mm-hmm. No, no. All right. Well, we probably ought to wrap up this conversation, even though I'm just really enjoying it. Um, is there anything else you'd like to share before we go? No, I, I can't think of it. I mean, I can, I'm like you. I could sit here and talk for hours, <laughs> but I, I just want to follow up with that. It's not about me. It's not about my family. 
this is all about God. Yes. What God can do for you. Yes. And my prayer is that whoever hears this or is listening, that will touch them, that God's still alive. He is working and He is there. And He just wants you to reach out to Him. Don't give up. It may not happen in six months or a year, but it's going to get better. You know, and you're like, I think, two years ahead of me. Yes. And I just remember that those first few months, I thought, I can't breathe. I can't. I'm going to get sick. I'm going to pass out. And the encouragement that you gave me, Mm. it's going to get better, Lisa. And I remember that. And I want to be that to others. Yes. Yeah. You know, God puts us all together for a reason. And we need to be encouragers. None of us want to be in this boat. But we are. And um, we just need to keep encouraging one another. Don't give up. Yes. Don't take your eyes off the Lord. Keep your eyes on the Lord. He is our sustainer and healer. He knows your pain. Amen. I appreciate you taking this time to speak with me today. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the While We're Waiting, Hope After Child Loss podcast. If this podcast has been a blessing to you, please take just a moment to leave a rating or a review, and please feel free to share it with someone you know who might be helped by it. We're so grateful for all of you who come back and listen every week, and those of you who may be listening for the very first time. I hope God has used it to encourage you today and to help you live well while you're waiting.